Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. You are listening to the Arash Markazi Show on a new generation of radio. The all new and mightier 1090 AM. Good afternoon on a beautiful Friday and welcome to the Rosh Markazi show on the Mightier 1090 in Southern California and 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. I am joined as always by G.K. Wiley, Armani Buckets. How are we on a beautiful Friday? Doing good, Arash. Doing good. Yeah, not too shabby. Sorry, I was I was just going to let um, Armand do his thing. But uh, Listen, yeah, not too, Armani not too bad. Buckets is a man of few words. Listen, when, when he speaks, people listen. Uh, okay, big, big Friday, and I'll tell you why. I do believe LeBron James will finally play today. He is officially being ruled a game-time decision, but my sources in Boston are telling me this is the game that they have circled on the calendar. I don't know why it wasn't Milwaukee. Maybe he wasn't 100%. He is good to go. He is, he is not officially... Uh, right now, been uh, ruled a go, but I am being told he will play tonight. Um, the question is, how does this change things for the Lakers? Uh, we've seen this team with LeBron James, and they did not look that great. So I think I think we've sort of leaned on the well. Listen, as soon as LeBron James comes back, as soon as they're healthy, they'll get right back on track. The, the fact of the matter is, these these pieces. From the preseason to the beginning of the season, through the first 16 games of the season where they are a 500 team, the pieces have not fit. Now, LeBron James, obviously, you're going to improve. When you add LeBron James, you're, that, that, that is not a small thing. I mean, you're, 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 when LeBron's right and when LeBron is doing his thing, I mean, he is still, in my view, the best player. Obviously, now you talk about Steph Curry and KD and things like that. But this is a big addition the, the problem with this team remains. How do the pieces fit? And Armani, we've talked about this. Bringing LeBron James back obviously improves your chances. I don't think they blow a 26-point lead to the Thunder. I don't think they blow a 19-point lead to the Thunder. I don't think they get blown out by the Wolves. That being said, we've seen them healthy. They're not, right now, as currently constructed, a championship team. LeBron James back tonight. How does that change things? Well, the thing I'm most curious about is to see how the starting lineup is impacted because you have THT bowling out, and Carmelo was in the starting lineup in the last game. So I want to see how Vogel is going to adjust. Does he want to bring Carmelo back to the six-man role? Because the thing is, with Horton Tucker playing the way he is, maybe he's best suited to come off the bench and spark that bench unit. Who's going to score off the bench? Well, that's the problem. And, and, and to your point, we've, we've talked about it. You cannot debe- depend on Carmelo uh, to do what he's done through the first 16 games of the season. And quite frankly, I mean, he's really had an amazing season at home. On the road, not the same player. So uh, consistency will be the key. THT, and I think we all knew that he would probably have a really good year. He was the one guy that a lot, a lot of teams around the league wanted when they were looking to make trades. With the Lakers, the Lakers were hesitant. They did not want to part with him, and we're seeing why. I mean, he is definitely a player that they um, will view as being a big part of this team. Um, G.A., LeBron James coming back tonight. I think it obviously, I mean, this is sort of the beginning of, okay, how is this team going to look when they're healthy? I mean, you cannot develop team chemistry when you're not 100% healthy. So finally, LeBron's back. 
You got Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook, THT's back. The team is finally getting healthy. Does this mean that they're going to turn the corner and once again be a championship contending team? You know what? Um, I don't know about a championship contending team because I feel like they still have, with, with or without LeBron, they would have a long ways to go. But you know what's going to be added to this, even though he was off the court and on the sidelines giving this? LeBron adds leadership. Yeah. Right? It's, it's a no-brainer. LeBron is the leader of this team. This is his team. This is LeBron's team. And this is what's going to help them now he's on the court. Because there is still a difference. You know, there is a difference between being being actually in the trenches with them and then sitting there in, in a headphone set or something like that and being on the sidelines and talking to them and trying to get them all fired up. It's totally different. Yeah. So I think him being there, actually physically being there in the trenches with them is definitely going to help. Um, it, this makes them way more viable, for sure. Oh, for sure. I mean, no question is asked on that one. I mean, it's LeBron James. Yeah. Love him or hate him, guys. Like he's still LeBron James. He's still a great player. He's still a Hall of Famer. Like it's just, and he still is a championship uh, player, caliber player, te- um, teammate. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, hopefully this changes. I mean, let's get real. Boston ain't good. So I don't know how much. I don't even know. Do you know how much Vegas has them by on this? I one? don't know. But the unique thing there is that LeBron James is not officially. Uh, you know, he is a game time decision. I'm telling you that he he will play. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll see if that pans out. So I, I don't know what the line is, Jihei. Maybe you could t- tell us. But I, I, I do think that the line uh, is probably being made with the idea that LeBron will probably play. So it, uh, it seems like it's not because uh, Boston, the opened at two, favorite at two, and now MGM and Caesars, uh, MGM has them at one and a half, and Caesars has them at two still. Yeah. So uh, fav- favoring Boston at two. Yeah, it is a home game for the Celtics, right. and the Lakers, depending on who they're playing, are still not that great. So, I mean, you know, we'll see. I, I, I do like the Lakers to win if LeBron is playing, and I do think he will play today. Um, guys, I have a very interesting story. At least I think it's kind of interesting. In the morning column today, uh, we, we were talking about it on the show, Crypto.com. Arena, $700 million, 20-year deal, the largest naming rights deal in uh, team sports. There was one team that was very upset about the deal, the Los Angeles Sparks. The Los Angeles Sparks were not a part of the conversations for this deal. And I started to hear from people around the team saying, like, what the heck's up with that? The Sparks have played at Staples Center for 20 years. They currently... And this is sort of like a, a big thing, but they, they currently don't have a lease. Now, they're currently negotiating that lease. Both parties are very optimistic that they will come to terms. Uh, but the issue that the Sparks have is like, listen, you're including the Lakers, you're including the Kings, you got the $700 million deal. Where's our piece of the pie? Where's our slice? And so... Right now, they have no deal with Crypto.com. They are speaking today. Uh, they may, uh, they, they, While we're on the air, they may be talking right now. I fully believe in short time, Crypto.com will work out a partnership deal with the Sparks, whether that's a jersey partnership, whether they get the logo on the court. They're going to work something out. I mean, that, that Crypto.com is worth so much money. I, they, I don't know what it would cost them to, again, have their logo on the jersey or have their logo on the court. 
they were totally taken by surprise by this when they were like, why did you forget about the Sparks? They didn't even know the Sparks were a part of the deal. They were told that the Clippers were not part of the deal because the Clippers are going to leave. Um, but the Sparks, again, have they have every intention of staying there. Um, a unique part of the story also is that the Sparks have never had their own home locker room at the Staples Center. Uh, the idea is once the Clippers leave in 2024, that maybe if the Sparks sign a long-term lease, that they can have that. A Lisa Leslie statue could be coming in the very near future too. Uh, gee, you know, just as someone who played the game, um, and again, you know how much I love the Sparks, and it's just I, I, I. The thing that really pains me is that they've played five playoff games over the past five years away from home because the arena gets booked and whether it's the Grammys or whether it's the postseason or something else, the Sparks have to find somewhere to play. And so while Staples is their home, they have not really been treated like it's their home. And it's an unfortunate thing. Uh, people have said you should move somewhere else. You know, the fact of the matter is they've called Staples home for 20 years. They've won three championships there. It's the home of Lisa Leslie, Candace Parker. So they don't want to move, and uh, they, they want to find a way to, to, to stay. But women's sports in general needs uh, – they need promotion. They need sponsorship. So when you have a $700 million sponsorship deal like this, a naming rights deal, I, basically the Sparks are saying, hey, can, 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 can we get a sliver of that? Can we get just a slice of the pie? Yeah, I mean, the unfortunate thing, and I think we were talking about this with Nick Hamilton yesterday, um, is that a lot of, there's A, there's not a lot of support in women's, uh, in majority of women's sports, let mm -hmm. alone women's basketball. Um, and I know I'm going to get a lot of flack for this, um, but uh, professional sports is all about entertainment. At the end of the day, it's about, you know, I can't do what LeBron James does, so I'm going to go and see what LeBron James can do, right? Um, I uh, Hey, if you ever play against these women, it is rough. It is hard. It is. They are talented. They are. They put in the work, and they are above and beyond. They deserve to be where they are. That being said, until women can all play above the rim, I don't think that they're going to be looked at as a viable franchise and something that people are going to put their money in. No, no disrespect. I think that the WNBA, like I played against those girls in college and they are phenomenal. Um, again, no disrespect. And I also think that the, um, the Sparks, with all those rings, all those championships, they're like Cinderella without a prince right now in Staples Center. Um, it would be great if somebody could basically take the reins and in an idealistic world, if somebody took the reins and we're like, hey, we're going to give you, we're going to be your sponsor and give you everything that you possibly needed. But it's just un until they can be a franchise where, you know, everybody and their mom is going to be like, hey, I want to go and see the Sparks play because they can't do, they can do what I can't. I don't know. If I mean, they can do more than pretty much anyone else. I mean, uh, 100%. The, the league's been around for 25 years. The league's been around for 25 years. They've so also not, been, they've also dealt with bankruptcy as well, right? Like on the brink of bankruptcy as well. I've been bailed out. Uh, so, some teams have been bailed the, out. The WNBA is owned by the NBA, so they're in good financial. No, listen, obviously there's certain teams around the league that maybe have not uh, fared well, but... I guess the point is, is that if you have a team that calls Staples home and you have a $700 million deal, do you believe it's your obligation to, to kind of loop in 
It's, so they're they're the okay. fourth tenant. They're the little you got you got the right. Lakers, uh, Kings, Clippers. Now the Clippers are not a part of the deal because they're about to leave, so they're they're totally fine. The Sparks are basically saying, listen, we know we're not going to get the same cut of the pie as the Lakers or Kings. We get that. Where's our uh, sliver? Where's our like even our conversation of you know again they've hung three championship you know they won three championships there. Um, I don't know. I mean, I love the game. I am very um, entertained when I go watch them play. I, I don't necessarily need to see a slam dunk contest. I do think that they do things on the court that 99% of the population can't do, quite frankly. So, um, but listen, I mean, listen, they draw about 10,000 fans. Obviously, state staples can hold 20,000. So I know they're not the hottest ticket in town, but. That being said, I do. I don't think it's a it's a lot to request if you're having these negotiations for a tenant that's been there for 20 years to be a part of that conversation. Especially since it's crypto.com, yeah. <laughs> since we're going to be saying this probably for the next 20 years. Um, especially when it's crypto.com and they have all that money. I get that. Mm-hmm. Um, if they want to give them, you know, maybe one fourth of a slice of the of the pie, not the entire thing. Of course, yeah. So I, I get I get that it's not it's not going to take a lot for them to be able to give them a little bit of that money just to keep them happy and content or whatever or or give them money that they kind of deserve. To be honest with you, being a championship team, but yeah, I mean we'll see what they do. We'll yeah. see what they do. We'll see. Um, big weekend in football here in Los Angeles. Thankfully, it's a bye week for the Rams. I don't think I could put up with another disappointment for the Rams. I'm hoping they use that bye week to regroup and figure out what the heck went wrong. Back-to-back tough losses for the Rams. But on Saturday, after Coliseum, and we'll talk about it more in the next segment, we have USC versus UCLA getting a ton of emails from USC sponsors and things like that, like there's a ton of tickets available. And I'm not saying that the Coliseum is going to be half empty. I wouldn't be shocked if it was, though. I don't, I mean, it, it's obviously not going to be sold out. That goes without saying. But it could be the lowest attended USC-UCLA game in a long, long time. Because at the very least, no matter how bad both teams are, it's USC-UCLA, it's the pomp and the pageantry, it's all that. Um they are struggling to sell tickets. And also on the secondary market, so this is like a weird combo where it's they're struggling to sell tickets, but you go on StubHub and it's not cheap. I mean, the cheapest ticket's about 65 and you add in parking and all that. I mean, so I will, um, I will be at the Coliseum just because I am a glutton for punishment. Don't mind watching USC and UCLA play. And then Sunday... Sunday night, we got uh, Chargers, Pittsburgh Steelers at SoFi Stadium on Sunday night football. Looking forward to that one. What are you guys looking forward to this weekend? Uh, I'll, I'll let Armani uh, do this first. Honestly, I'm looking forward to this is going to be just because I'm an NBA junkie, but I want to see Cade Cunningham versus the Lakers. I want to see yeah. Cade, Cade has picked up his play here recently, and the Pistons were horrible without him, and they're still horrible, but they're at least average enough where it should be interesting to see how he fares, especially now LeBron's coming back. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see that. Uh, the Clippers have a weekend where they're going to be playing the Mavericks. We'll see if Luca's playing because he's been— That's always fun. He, he was out the last game, and, and he's dealing with some sort of injury. They're going to deal with 
Dallas Sunday and then Tuesday. So I'm excited to see how they fare because obviously they have playoff history versus the Mavericks. So oh, yeah. that should be interesting as well. Luca, your guy. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I do love me some Luca. I love me some MVP Luca. But um, he, uh, considering he might not be playing, right? Yeah, there's there's more of a chance of him not. Yeah, he's questionable. Um, I would probably, I guess that UCLA game versus Cal, versus uh your, your Trojans. USC UCLA. It's always fun. And yeah. I, and, I, and I told you I really believe that this is a must win game for Chip Kelly. Actually, obviously, think he needs to win these last two games. They 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 play, they play Cal next week. But obviously, if you can beat USC. It, like that, you that has to happen again. USC is terrible this year. USC is four and five, and not only are they terrible this year, they've been garbage at home. They've been one of the worst teams in the Pac-12 at home. Gee, will you be at the game? I think that that, that was something that you were trying to do. You yeah, I'm still trying there. to get a ticket right now. I I know that um, this this is going to sound horrible, but I don't want to pay for one. So uh, <laughs> I totally agree with you there. Yeah, so uh, definitely trying to get my SC UCLA connections to. Uh, to, to get a, a complimentary ticket. But um, if not, you know, I'll pay for a ticket. I'll, I'll, I'll suck it up because I, I do want to go. I bet you once we get closer to kickoff, it, the, the price should come down a little bit only because they're, they're, they, they're having a hard time moving these tickets and maybe someone doesn't want to, you know, sell it for cheaper than what they b- b- bought it for. But $69 for a ticket for that game. I mean, again, two really bad teams. I, listen, I think UCLA is the superior team for whatever reason. I'm a homer. You know, I'm going to pick the Trojans to win. They're playing at home. I, I, I can't fathom USC losing to the Bruins, but we'll see how that game plays out. But tonight is the rivalry I'm excited about. Lakers, Boston Celtics, it's always a fun game. Beat LA chant going off and LeBron James coming back. No matter what, that's always a fun game, a fun night. Um, But I don't know how much LeBron changes things. I, I, I don't all of a sudden see the switch turned on. I, I hope I'm wrong, but the fact of the matter is we saw them when they were healthy and they were struggling. I don't know what this team has to do to kind of turn the corner, and there's not a quick fix in terms of a move that they can make. It's not like you can package, you know, they, they did all the moves that they could make this summer, right? You know, they, they packaged Kyle Kuzma, Montrose Harrell, KCP, they, they've, they've done all these small moves, not small moves. I mean, they, they did all the moves that they possibly could do. At this point, outside of a coaching change, is basically like changing guys who the big three will remain. That You're not moving those guys. I just don't have a lot of confidence. And am I wrong, Armand? Am I wrong? I, I just don't know what this team has to do because time in and time out, whether it's blowing big leads or getting blown out, that Timberwolves game was an embarrassment. It was, it was like they didn't even want to play. So eight games they've played with the big three so far. Let's remember, I'm going to try to be optimistic here. Uh, Wade, Bosch, and James started 9-8 and eight their first season mm-hmm. together. This team is not Wade, Bosch, and James, obviously. But only eight games together. That's the optimistic thing. And they were 5-3. and three. So... That's glass half full, but their last game that they did have together was against the Rockets, yeah. who now, in retrospect, the Rockets are like 1-14, arguably the worst <laughs> team that we've ever seen in NBA history, and 
they only won by two, and they had to squeak it out because <laughs> uh, Kevin Porter Jr. missed a game-winning three at the yeah. buzzer. So, <laughs> you know, five and three, but the last time we saw him didn't look good. I'm interested to see how pissed off Dennis Schroeder is at the Lakers tonight. That's right. I forgot Schroeder revenge game. Uh, yeah. Right. That, that's his fault, by the way. It's it his fault that he did not take that contract. I wonder how differently... This season, this team would be if Schroeder takes he's, that contract. He's better than Rondo and yeah, those yeah. guys. So I, I, but like, what a crazy! Um, you know, if he takes that contract, they, they don't package him. They don't make yeah. that. So like, maybe they they run back the same team, which I still believe to this day they should have done. That team wasn't bad. That team wasn't bad when they were healthy. They were the number two team in the league in March. Yeah. In March. All right, let's leave it there for now. When we come back, again, big game Saturday, 1 p.m. Coliseum, USC, UCLA. When we come back, we're going to hear from Chip Kelly and Dante Williams when we come back right here on the Mightier 1090 in 98.5 The Fan. We will be right back with the Arash Markazi Show. And you are listening to a new generation of radio. The all-new and mightier 1090 AM. You are listening to the Arash Markazi Show on a new generation of radio. The all-new and mightier 1090 AM. When we come around... Welcome back to the Rosh Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 in Southern California and 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. Again, big game Saturday at the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum, 1 p.m. USC, UCLA, the victory bell on the line, bragging rights in Los Angeles on the line. Again, normally this would be a game I'm very excited about. But quite frankly, USC is terrible this year. And not only are they terrible, they are especially terrible at home in terms of getting blown out at home, looking like they didn't even want to play at home. They look like the Lakers at home. No, but seriously, it's been a struggle to watch them play. That's why the last game that they had against U of A, the Coliseum, half empty. I don't think it'll be that bad on Saturday at the Coliseum. We will see what the turnout is. It's a must-win game for Chip Kelly if he wants to keep his job at UCLA. If he doesn't, I think both schools, USC and UCLA, will be looking for head coaches in the very near future. With that said, let's now hear from USC coach Dante Williams and UCLA head coach Chip Kelly. Uh, well, this week's surprise has been pretty darn good. You know, guys went out there, competed, you know, still after us not having a game last week. So we have gotten quite a few guys fresh. At the same time, we still got a couple guys that are dinged up. Uh, you know, they went out there the past two days and had competitive practices. Uh, I think it's also a, has helped the way that we have practice and preparing to get Jackson more prepared for the game coming up. At the same time, Miller has gotten a lot of reps with the twos. And, you know, our receivers rotate so much, he's also gotten reps with the ones. So I think that would help both quarterbacks going forward. You know, Keontae Ingram coming back is huge for us and just, you know, continue our running back rotation that we have going on there. And, you know, just quite a few bodies on defense also coming back. We still have quite a few guys dinged up like the Corey Foremans and, you know, Trigg is still coming back. So, you know, we're looking forward to guys and hopefully, you know, some guys will be able to make some game time decisions. And if not, then we'll get them prepared for the following week. Okay, we'll take uh, questions and we'll start with Ryan Karchi. 
Hey, Dante. Uh, obviously, you know, this is an emotional game every year. Uh, do you do anything in particular this year to kind of just get the competitive juices flowing, being that it's a rivalry? Uh, of course. I mean, you always got to do something a little particular, you know, to get the juices flowing. But that's something that would be kind of kept amongst the team. But, uh, yeah, we, we definitely have. And then, you know, you got some certain groups on campus that's making sure they protect certain things. You know, you got the Trojan Knights and the Hellanes and different organizations like that. So, I mean, there's a lot of things going on campus, especially this week with it being a rivalry game. You know, obviously this season hasn't gone as you guys would have hoped, but how much, in your opinion, can a big rivalry game like this just kind of redeem a season that might be going in the wrong direction in other senses? Uh, you know, it's just been a challenge. You know, I don't know about it truly going wrong. It's been a lot of things that goes on, you know, in a football season. And, you know, we have had some ups and downs and some bumps in the road. But the same thing, these guys haven't quit on one another and they haven't quit on this team. So it's still a lot of guys out here fighting and competing, uh, you know, but a rivalry game is always huge to win. Not only does it give you bragging rights, you know, for pretty much that season, but some of these guys are doing bragging rights for life. So it's a very huge game and, you know, it means a lot to this, you know, football team and to a lot of players on the team. Okay, uh, Adam, Brosberg. Hey, Dante. Uh, when you have a, you know, backup quarterback coming in, do you do anything with the rotations on offense to make him more comfortable, like maybe playing some receivers who haven't had as much playing time this year, but worked with Jackson more when he was working with the second team during camp and during practices? Uh, well, we never really have that issue. Receivers are special position, whereas, you know, guys just rotate really plays. It's not like a guy, a receiver kind of just stays in with the ones for five plays or stays in with the two five plays. It's always been a rotation. So a lot of these guys have gotten work together and the same goes for like one-on-ones. You know, there's no telling who's the quarterback throwing you the ball or who's the receiver running it. So it's, you know, they, they've always had chemistry. I think that's not really what group you go with. I think that's just a period over time. And we're fortunate enough that Jackson came here as a mid-year. So he's gotten a lot of reps for a lot of these receivers that we have. Okay, we'll go to uh, Antonio. Dante, I, I know you had a lot of confidence in Max Gibbs when he when he changed positions. Is it surprising you how much he's ending up playing now? Uh, no, I mean, just, just sure, just we like depth at the position, you know, just period. And Max is actually, you know, he's a, he's a big body. But one thing that is, you know, will really shock a lot of people is just how athletic he is. You know, he's really agile and light on his feet. He, you know, he plays with good pad level. So, I mean, the, the sky's still the limit for him just for simple fact is the, the more shape that he gets and, you know, just with his weight loss and everything else, I think the better, you know, he will become. So it's still the best to come out of Max Gibbs. And what have you thought about his progression on that side of the ball? Uh, I thought it's been, it's been good. You know, Vic uh, has done a great job with him as far as, you know, making sure that he's starting to understand the schematics of things and not just being a guy that just goes out there and just runs into the blocker. You know, he's starting to understand – the things that we asked of him based off the particular defense. A reminder to raise your hand if you have a question. Uh, back to Ryan Karchi. Dante, being an L.A. guy, any sort of rivalry experiences for you growing up? Uh, I mean, I, you know, I really never got a chance to go to one, but uh, just – in general, you know, it's, it's one of those games where households are households are split and, you know, friendships are split just for a particular week. And, 
You know, it could be a best friend. He just happens to cheer for the other team because maybe a family member went to that particular school. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things that growing up, you know, it's always a week where, you know, families are divided and friendships are divided just for a week. So, you know, it's no different this week. Thanks. Uh, shotgun. Dante, there's been a number of guys that have kind of just been absent from practice. Have, have you guys had any roster attrition or is everyone still on the roster? Uh, everyone's on the roster. A lot of guys are starting to get you know, rehab inside or, like I say, it's getting close to the end of the semester. So some guys that maybe are hurt or different things that's going on, make sure they handle and take care of their academic responsibilities. So, I mean, it's different if guys can actually go out there and practice and they're doing well in school. But if a guy's all, all of a sudden hurt or he's out for a little bit and, you know, schoolwork is, is lingering because some of these classes are a little harder than others, just trying to make sure that they stay, of course, academically also. Has that been the case with Casey Collier? We haven't seen him in, in probably a month now. Uh, Casey Collier is, is handling some things right now, just personally. Okay, Ryan Abraham. Excuse me, morning, Dante. Um, just thinking about the uh, rescheduled game and looking at the early uh, signing period. Um, sorry, phone rings right as soon as I ask a question. Uh, the early signing period, there's only really one weekend that you guys can host official visits before the signing period like how much of a challenge is that i mean obviously there's a lot of challenges already but put on you guys where you have an away game that one of two weekends that would have been available for official visits uh, i mean that's that's part of football season it's you know it's going to be a lot of challenges and you know even in your personal life it's all about how you endure those things so it definitely be a challenge that last weekend will be huge for us you know and even in the head coaching meeting that we had at usc i pretty much talk to all the head coaches and they all said that they'll be on deck. So it'll be a huge weekend for us recruiting wise. Uh, I mean, we'll probably have anywhere between 15 to 27 official visits that one weekend. So it definitely would be huge. And then, you know, we're fortunate enough that some of these guys could come back maybe for a second visit. So that, you know, even increases the number, but yeah, it will definitely be a challenge for us, especially it's hard to have guys come during the week, especially during that time. You got, you know, people that have jobs, you know, parents and everything else but at the same time you know you'll be doing home visits and you know i'll be out pretty much probably out to state during that time so it's just it, it will be a challenge but it'll be something that you know we endure and we'll handle and then uh, just quick you coach on the you know, defensive backs what have you seen from the ucla secondary they seem to have struggled a little bit this year but what, what kind of stuff do you think this usc offense can exploit with the, the bruins defensive backs uh, I don't know about exploit. I mean, they still have a lot of good players back there, you know, and they, they ask those guys to go out there on islands and play man to man. So, you know, they make their fair share of plays too. So, you know, a lot of those guys they have in the secondary, I, I know because I recruited or I watched them over the years. So they still have some, you know, really good players. And, you know, everybody sees like, you know, guys giving up yards and they think it's a secondary, but it could be a backer or a DN covering somebody. So it adds up. It's not just always on the secondary. Thanks. Uh, back to shotgun. Dante, what would be the key for, for Jackson Dart handling US, UCLA's blitz packages and the different pressures that they're going to try to bring? Uh, you know, it's all about being comfortable, you know, and it's all about him going out there and trusting the guys that's on the field with him and them trusting him because, you know, he's going to have to make the right reads and kind of, you know, sight on scene and adjust to, you know, things they do. In this particular game, both teams always have a couple of things they maybe haven't shown all year. So just to say that he's going to see exactly everything he's seen on film, it won't happen that particular way. There'll be some new things out there, and it's all about how he adjusts and how the guys on the field adjust with him. You guys switching sports? See some uh, baseball swings over there. 
No, I just it's a warm up for your shoulders. Okay, so it's just something that Coach Gundy's done for a while. So. Um, they they announced they're starting Jackson Dart. Um, how do you think that impacts the game? And do you think you'll still see both uh, quarterbacks? I don't. I have no idea. I don't know what the extent of Slovis's injury is. Um, Jackson has played in three games so far this year. Um, their offense doesn't change though with Jackson in as opposed to Keaton in. You know, they're still a version of the air raid. Um, I think Jacks. They're very eerily similar in terms of you look at statistical. I think uh, Keaton's at 65%, Jackson's at 62% completion percentage, Jackson's thrown six and three TDs to interceptions. I think Keaton's like 11 to three or four. So it's, I mean, it's the, the offense isn't very much different when Jackson's in compared to Keaton's in. So you're still defending what Graham Harrell is running. So. You seem to have some success with more, maybe a little bit more spread formations in that last game. Do you feel like that was something that, you know, you found that was good that you can continue? No, I think every time you have a game plan, it depends on who you're playing against. So, you know, what is, how does Colorado deploy their personnel and what's their spacing? Um, you know, is that different than what Washington does or that Stanford does? So, you know, it's individual by game plan in terms of how they do it. You know, that's kind of the, the game that goes on with the game. How are, the, how are they matching your personnel groupings that can win? Or are they going big or are they going small? If they're going small, we do this. If they're going big, we do this. So, and then you see if that works. But it's, it's got, I don't think you can look at game plan from Colorado and say that that game plan for Colorado applies because the defense that Todd Orlando runs is way different than the defense of Colorado runs. You talk about Britton Brown, you know, Zach Charbonnet gets a lot of the uh, mm-hmm. highlights, but the Britton Brown, you know, like this last game, over 10 yards to carry. Yeah, I mean, Britton's been a force since he's been here for the last two years. You know, you look at a year ago when, when um, it was him and Felt, and then when Felt didn't play in the last game, I think Britton went for 225 against Stanford, so... Um, talented downhill running back he he runs angry in a positive way um he's tough he's hard nosed he's really really smart um i think he's got a future you know he'll play football after college um, i know a lot there's a lot of people that that like his style he's a one cut downhill runner um there's a just a toughness to brit you know he's a kind of a no-nonsense guy that takes everything really seriously and he can do a lot of things. I mean, you think about when he's done, he's going to have a Duke undergrad degree and a UCLA graduate degree, um, along with the football prowess that he has. But uh, we're it, real fortunate that, that we have Britain. Yeah, I don't want to ask a silly question, but we missed it, or I missed it on Monday. How is, is Britain available? I saw. I know he's he left available. the game we'll early. See, yeah, we'll see You know exactly how available, but okay. we plan on Britain being available. And then Daytona, what about him? Is he Britain, available? Yeah, Daytona, we'll okay. see him today. He's You've talked about the rivalry before, but has your level of appreciation for it just kind of deepened every year you've been here? I don't know if deepened is. I've always, you know, there there's certain games that just stand out. You know, Army, Navy, Alabama, Auburn, Michigan, Ohio State, USC, UCLA. You know, the people can rattle off that are the, the true, you know, things. I think the unique thing about this um, is just the proximity of the schools. And that's what I think makes it really a little bit different and a little bit special. There's so many players that play there that played high school guys with with our our guys. You know, there's kids that went to high school together and grew up together. Then they just went to different colleges. So I think it's the familiarity and the closeness of the two schools that I think makes it kind of unique. And, um, you know, the cool that both teams wear the home jerseys. And, you know, I think that part of it, there's some uniqueness to it. So, um, you know, it's... It's been battles. Um, there always have been battles, but I think those are the games that when you listen to the alums of both schools talk about, it's you know what happened in that game that year. So. 
you talk to your players about not getting too emotionally amped up for a game like this? You do at times. You know, there's always learning opportunities when you get to those things. And I think when you play in games like this, you know, the biggest message is that we have to play with emotion, not let emotion play with us. Um, you know, and the game is is one between the white lines. You know, that's what it, it all comes down to. And um, for us, it's our preparation so that when we get to Saturday, are we prepared for what's going to happen between the white lines? So, um, but there, that's something you have to be conscious of, to be honest with you. How gratifying is it um, as a coach? All wins are gratifying, but to actually go into uh, uh, your rival's home field and actually win, I mean, is that a certain feeling that you get? Yeah, I mean, I, I think for anybody, the toughest thing to do, especially in collegiate football, is to win on the road. You know, and I think there's a feeling of it's kind of the group you're traveling with and your small contingent of fans that they they give tickets to, you know, against everybody on the other side. So there's a little bit of a gladiator mentality to it. Um, so I think the, the really competitive teams actually enjoy playing on the road. You know, this group has been good on the road this year, you know, with the exception of one, one time out in Utah, um, but had a big win at Washington, a big win at Stanford. Um, so the, these guys understand that. Um, it's still not as big a road game, I think, just because of the proximity of the schools. So, you know, we'll do everything here on Friday. You know, we're not flying somewhere and getting on the road, being in a hotel the night before the game. We'll do everything here on campus and then drive over in the morning. But uh, I think that makes it unique, too, is that, you know, you're getting on the buses, but you're not going to the Rose Bowl, you're on the Coliseum. So. Um, how have they compensated for the loss of Drake London? Are they running the ball more? Obviously, they have to go to different receivers, but how are, yeah. they, how are they handling that? I think the offense really hasn't changed. You know, I think Taj Washington and Gary Bryant Jr. have stepped up a little bit in terms of being the next receivers in, but when you look at the numbers, you know, I think Drake London had 88 catches. The next one has 41. Then the next one has 30. Then there's a running back at 19 and a tight end at 10. So there was a big drop-off, you know. Um, I, Drake London is as good a wide receiver as he is in the country, you know, and, and when you lose a player of that caliber, that those touches, more than anything, have to be distributed. Um, but again, I think Graham does it off of what the look is, you know, so if if you're going to pack the box, you know, their system is, then they're going to throw it, but if you're going to back off of them, you know, and play really, really loose, then they're going to they're going to run it. So I think they're, they're going to, the, the way they operate in that offense is really kind of what you express defensively, and then they counter what you're trying to counter, so um, but there are other guys that are stepping up, and right now it's Washington and Bryant. Um, Kyle Ford's playing a little bit more and doing some really nice things on the outside. He's a real talented receiver also. Um, they're getting the tight end and running back involved um, with some catches. You know, I think Ingram has 19 catches uh, on the season, you know, so they're throwing the ball a little bit more to the back, you know, and I think that may be because of, like, I think it's a good point. I think it may be because the Drake is out, so who are some of those other guys that they're compensating for? So, um, you know, part of the air raid is that they want to be balanced in terms of not run pass, but how many touches everybody gets. So can they get multiple touches for the outside receivers, the inside receivers, the running backs, and they try to spread it around that way. So I think that's what they're they're doing a little bit more of. They probably relied a little bit more on break, um, as anybody in the country would do, because he was so talented. You know, it was, you know, you go into the game, especially just following it this year of, you know, if, if you can shut down, you listen to other coaches talk about if we can shut down London, and then he has 12 catches for 100. I mean, that's how talented he is. So um, they are different from that, but I think they're trying to spread the ball around a little bit more, which is the philosophy of that offense. Do you know Dante uh, at all? I don't. I mean, I know of him, but I don't. I don't. We don't text or phone call, but I, I know who he is, and you know, I have respect for him when he was um, on Mike Riley's staff at Nebraska and then at Oregon with uh, Mario and then now down at USC. So I know him, but I don't know him 
you know, like I know David Shaw or Kyle or some of the other guys in the league. Obviously, it's your your defense going against their offense, but when you're going against an air raid that's kind of put up a lot of points on you in the past, does that kind of change how you game plan on offense too? No, I mean we still have to, you know, we still have to do what we do on the offensive side of the ball. So, um, but then again, it's how the game expresses itself. Do you jump out to a big lead, and then does your mindset come that all of a sudden it's a three-score game and there's only X possessions left in the game, and then how do we handle it? And then you get into it. I think that's how you go into anything. You know, it's the same thing as if you get behind. You know, we may have to throw it more than we, you know, thought originally going into it. But I think that's how the game expresses itself as 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 it unfolds in real time. But you know, no one has the crystal ball to go in and say, "Hey, we're going to do this," and then this is going to play itself out. But you know, we have to play to all. When you get to this point in time in the season, you know, it's it's game eleven for us. I think game ten for us, game ten for them because the Cal game was uh, postponed. But um, you know, we're going to do what we do. And, they have to stop us, and they're going to do what they do, and we have to stop them. You know, so it's, it's it's at that point in time. I don't think anybody's going to come out with anything drastically new this Saturday that's going to surprise anybody. So. All right, that was Dante Williams. That was Chip Kelly. Uh, their last media availability before tomorrow's game at the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum. Victory Bell on the line. USC UCLA. It's one of my again most favorite. Weekends, generally speaking, when both teams are good, when both teams are bad, listen, you, you just enjoy the pomp and the pageantry. You just enjoy the bacon-wrapped hot dogs. You just enjoy uh, Traveler, the Spirit of Troy marching band, the Song Girls. It's, you know, it's it's a, a good time had by all. So I will be out there at the Coliseum tomorrow, but the rivalry game I'm po- probably more looking forward to is tonight. Lakers, Boston Celtics, LeBron James, I'm told, will be back. And we'll see if the the Lakers can turn around their season now that they got LeBron James back and they're getting healthier. All right. That is all the time that we have for today. We're going to do it again on Monday. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying stay safe and stay healthy. The Arash Markazi Show on a new generation of radio. The all new and mightier 1090 AM. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.